0: So we have a little something different this morning. Bob is in Florida this week. So we're going to do a little something different. We're going to watch a video of one of our CIC podcasts that we recorded last fall. And that, so that'll go about 35, 40 minutes. And then we'll have time to discuss it afterwards. And we have Pastor Eric joining us for that. So uh, I will just turn on the video here and we'll hope this all works. Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. We're going to interrupt our current series to discuss an issue that is very relevant today. Now, at the time that we are recording this, we are about three weeks out from the presidential election. We are all dealing with various levels of COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, Major cities around the United States are dealing with protests and rioters and burning and looting and all kinds of really troubling things going on in our land. If you open Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, just about any given day, you're going to see one verse plastered over an American flag. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So does this verse apply to America today?
1: Well, my people called by my name having a lamb certainly does not because under the new covenant the church and the people of god are believing jews and gentiles who are built on the foundation of christ the cornerstone and the apostle and his apostles and prophets ephesians 2 15 i've been th- preaching through ephesians the church and so most of this is defining the church and as Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ speaking for God, defines the church, he doesn't claim that the church has some land. I just, I think I mentioned this in a recent sermon. There's yes, not, some, you did. yeah, there's not some land that's specifically the Christian land. I think I mentioned Rome claims the Vatican City is a Christian geopolitical entity. Right. Okay, that's their claim. Now, if we allow the Bible to define the church, the church is, consists the universal church of people who are believers scattered all over the world, be they Jews or Gentiles, who have put their faith in Jesus Christ by his grace. And the establishment of a land, there's still a land promised to ethnic national Israel that won't be really completed until the millennium. There'll be a lot of intrigue during the tribulation period. But during the millennium, there'll be a rebuilt temple and a land and so on, specifically Israel. But America is is one of the nations. The nations were established back in Genesis in the table of nations. And the one nation that's specifically identified as under God in Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9 is Israel.
0: Okay, so Israel is the only nation ever with a covenant with God and a covenant land.
1: Right, there's a land promise that's given to ethnic national Israel, okay? And there are many geopolitical entities called nations. God established nations back in Genesis, all right? And Israel was specifically called through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Moses and then promised a king through David and then the lineage. And then we know that when Messiah comes, their hope was that he would establish Israel as a sovereign land and and so forth and take his place on the throne if he's seen indeed the Messiah. But we know that that's not for now. It says that in Acts. The times of the epochs are in God's hand when they ask whether... Now he's going to restore the kingdom in Israel. But you are to be my witnesses to uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and outermost parts of the world. So throughout the world, we have the church comprised of believing uh, Jews and Gentiles. And I said just a minute ago, built on the foundation of Christ, the cornerstone, and the apostles and prophets as the entire foundation. So therefore, okay, therefore, right now, there's a few still a future promise for Israel. Providentially they're already in the land, but not certainly with the ideal boundaries mentioned back in Genesis. And we know some other things are going to happen. But any other nation, as I as I said, Vatican claims they're the geopolitical entity that's God's sovereign land. But the Vatican is an abomination of idolatry. Right. And And so, it certainly isn't God's land, and all of the nations are places where God is gathering people who are believers and adding them to the church. That there's some certain nation that is what God would call my land in some distinct way that no other nation is, would only apply to Israel, certainly not America. and. The claim that somehow America is the new Israel. It's been done in history, and then you, you have various heresies out there. There's the the one where the Anglo-Saxons are considered the ten lost tribes, and there are there are many false teachings. But America is just one of the many nations that have existed since God ordained that there'd be nations with human rulers over them.
0: Yeah, now a common claim we'll hear when discussing this is that the Puritans had a covenant with God. So I think we should talk a little bit about that. We're gonna continue to show that America is not a covenant land, and then we'll talk about this verse in its context. So John Winthrop was the governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony. And I think in looking back, that's probably the one sermon where we can look back and say, okay, here's where the Puritans claim they have a covenant with God. I'm going to okay. read it, and then we'll have you comment on, on this quote from his sermon. Now, he preached this sermon, according to history, on the deck of the ship as they pulled into Massachusetts Bay to establish this colony. And here's what he, here's what he says, and this is supposedly where America's covenant with God comes in. Thus stands the cause between God and us. We are entered into covenant with him for this work. We have taken out a commission. If the Lord shall please to hear us and bring us in peace to the place we desire, then hath he ratified this covenant and sealed our commission, and will expect a strict performance of the articles contained in it. Okay. So basically, that they arrived safely showed that God had ratified a covenant with them.
1: All right. Well, here's a problem with that. The valid covenants that God made, the covenant with Abraham, okay, and um, the covenant going back before that with Noah, with Abraham, if you just look at the various covenants, every last one of them was initiated directly by God right the same goes for the new covenant so in no case did somebody say okay God you're going to have a covenant with me here's the details of it which the guy just writes or the people write or the, whoever they might be and right. then they say and if thus and so turns out this way then you ratified it
0: Right. the That's
1: arrogance of doing. that is stunning it is it reminds me of of satan bringing jesus uh to the temple say throw yourself off the temple and the angels will catch you that's tempting god and jesus said thou shalt not tempt the lord thy god because if you throw yourself off and the angels catch you does that prove that was right no well see it's us tempting god so the puritans were tempting god by obligating God to a covenant that he hadn't previously said he wanted or agreed to. right? All right? And then uh, in God's providence, they either land and survive there or they barely survive. But right. wh- whether they did or didn't, didn't doesn't matter uh, in the sense of, therefore God was now s- stuck with his covenant that he never said he agreed to. Right. Now, if you look at this, Passage that people are misusing in Chronicles, and it had to do with Solomon and the temple. All right. Okay. And so, what we want to know is did Solomon obligate God to a covenant that God never agreed to?
0: All right. Let's take a look.
1: Well, if that's what happened, well, then I guess maybe the Puritans uh, had some kind of basis or sort of thinking that might be okay. But that's not exactly what happened in fact it's not at all what happened all okay right. so let me just look at 2 chronicles 7 the parallel passage 1 kings 9 and then i want to go back even before that to 1 kings 8 okay right so 1 kings 8:16 and this has to do again with the beginning of god interacting with solomon concerning what's going to happen so on 1 kings 8:16 8, to 18 and I'm citing the New American Standard Bible, since the day that I brought my people Israel from Egypt, I did not choose a city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there, but I chose David to be over my people Israel. So first of all, God chose Israel. Israel didn't volunteer to be the people of God. God chose them. God predicted this when he chose Abraham and spoke in a theophany directly to Abraham and established a unilateral covenant in which only God went through the pieces of the animal. It was God's covenant with Abraham. And he chose a people. He didn't choose a place or a house, but he did choose David to be over Israel later. Okay, now that Solomon is his son. Now let me read verse 17. Now, it was in the heart of my father, David, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father, David, because it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that was in your heart. So now we have God himself validating the idea of the house or the temple. Okay. Right? And this right. was in a theophany. This wasn't, well, we... We'll sit out and we find enough builders, then we know that God was in it. We have God himself validating it through a direct revelation, a theophany, God speaking to Solomon.
0: Right, and speaking audible words.
1: Yeah, actually to David. The Lord said to my father David, now these are real words. Okay. This This is just some idea in his head. Because it was in your heart to build a house in my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Now, now we go to First Kings 9, verse 1. First Kings 9, verse 1. Now it came about when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all that Solomon desired to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your supplication, which you have made before me, I have consecrated this house, which you have built by putting my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So God appeared, had appeared. This is a real tangible appearance of what we call theophany in theology. And this temple got ordained. Now, we know that there, later there's going to be a whole, a whole lot of things that happen, including the destruction of it because of apostasy and various things that happen. But there's still a hope and a promise that we see in Luke Acts, And we know that there's going to be more intrigue during the tribulation when the Antichrist will make a deal and it'll be really bad. But in the end, there'll be a millennial kingdom. But nevertheless, uh, listeners... This is not some nation somewhere deciding they wanted to obligate God to a covenant. It was God doing what God promised to the patriarchs and making valid, infallible words, or saying valid, infallible words to Solomon. And these are written down in scripture. And this happened in the context of a theophany there was no theophany for these pilgrims no they made all this know. stuff up they were doing what they wanted to do which is their freedom okay they left england and they did what they wanted to do they wanted to escape persecution and have a better place to practice their their faith in christ that's fine but they don't have a prophet they did not have a theophany, and they didn't have the authority to write up a long or short or any kind of a document and say, there, God, this is your covenant. You put your imprimatur on it. If we land there and we're okay, then you agree to it. it
0: that would be like wrong. Jesus
1: jumping off the temple and wanting the angels to catch him, which he wouldn't do. They tempted God. Yeah, Right. Yep. So that's not right. We can know that that's not right. Now, in God's providence, we do end up with America, and we end up with freedoms that we thank God for. But that's all about providence. Providence contains good and evil. And Christians always have to use the scripture alone to determine what God approves of and what he doesn't. Right. Okay, so we can't go back to the writings of the Puritans and say, What they said was the very words of God, and we're all bound by them. And we can't say, not only are we bound by them, but God himself is bound by the words of man. So the only way God can get out of this covenant that they were going to demand that he keep with them would be if he made their boats crash and they all die.
0: (laughs) Apparently.
1: Well, that's tempting God. Right. Listeners search the scriptures don't just listen to these slogans that sound romantically appealing to our notions and our ideas about what we think things should be like but we need to get a biblical worldview about God's relationship to various nations the biblical definition of the church the very words of God that are binding on Christians that are given by his apostles and prophets not by some people in church history. Lately, we've been claiming that God himself defines the church in Scripture, not things in church history. Things in church history have to be discerned and judged based on Scripture alone. Now, the Reformers said that. I don't know whatever happened, because a lot of people who say they believe in Lutheran Reformed theology— don't seem to have any interest in scripture alone.
0: No, they sure don't.
1: And when it comes to ecclesiology and eschatology, that's where they just jump off the ship, so to speak, when it comes to scripture alone. They'd rather have their idea that America, we live here, so I guess we're rather self-centered. We think that we're the only nation that matters to God. But somehow America is a covenant nation And some say replacing Israel, and others say, well, sort of parallel to Israel, or we're the new Israel. But whatever their claim is, they want America to be a new covenant nation like Israel and be under various stipulations. But the problem is we don't have a prophet. We don't have valid theophanies. Joseph Smith claimed one.
0: Right. Right.
1: We've got many false cults in America who take off based on their claim that America is somehow God's covenant nation. But no, we're just one of the nations. Maybe that's too humbling for us. We're just one of the nations. Now, in God's providence, we've been a nation very much blessed with great freedoms and liberties and that's certainly what people were looking for is the liberty to worship god without being attacked by governments that want to kill us i mean these are valid things to desire and all people would desire that wherever they are christians anywhere and i uh, interact with christians around the world they all want to be able to 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 raise their families to worship god to trust in God and not be killed by somebody. But there's no guarantee that won't happen because martyrdom has happened throughout history because Christians are hated. And now we're at a point in our situation here in America where we are back into the status of being hated. Yes, And we're being blamed for whatever wrong there may be that some uh, left-wing socialists think is wrong. And so let's just blame the Christians. Let's attack the Christians. And that's going on, but it's not new. It happened in the Roman Empire. Tertullian's famous lament, uh, should the Tiber its bank? And it goes on and, and talks about the different natural catastrophes that might happen in the Roman Empire. Yeah. Tertullian said, the cry is the same. The Christians to the lion. Right. Okay. So the Romans were blaming Christians for anything that went wrong in Rome because the Christians weren't serving the pagan deities.
0: Okay, yep.
1: Well, so the gods were mad. So let's kill off some Christians and maybe the gods won't be mad. But see, yeah, I, I, the Rome, Romans were wicked people who hated God and they wanted to kill Christians. But civil government is there to restrain evil. Not to establish covenants with God. Right. All right. And so we want to make these grand claims, but we're just putting the ball on the tee, uh, so to speak, for the pagans to blame us for everything.
0: Yes. And honestly, looking at this verse, it's rather like Christians blaming Christians.
1: Well, right. And so I've, been, I've heard this off and on since I became a Christian in 1971. I've heard this verse quoted out of context my entire Christian life, okay? But that's really, they're not reading the whole context or even trying to understand the point. Now, back to our looking at the context, okay? Okay. Uh, I'm in First Kings 9, which is a parallel section about the same event. Okay. 1 Kings 9, 2, the Lord appeared to Solomon. So there's our theophany. Verse 3, I've heard your prayer, your supplication, which you have made before me. I've consecrated this house, which you have built, by putting my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So there's the promise. Verse 4, as for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I command you, and keep my statutes and my ordinance, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And then it says, But if your sons turn away from me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I set, and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and the house which I've consecrated and cast them out of my sight. So Israel will become Proverb and a byword among the people. And the South will become a heap of ruins, which, by the way, has happened twice now right. Solomon's and then the rebuilt one by Herod. Yep. Yeah. But God never actually withdrew the covenant with David that he would have a man on the throne. Right. Okay. The claim of the New Testament here's the claim of the New Testament that Jesus Christ is that descendant. Of David, all right, the greater son, the son of God, and that he, according to the New Testament, where Psalm 110 is quoted more than any other Old Testament passage, now reigns at the right hand of God in heaven. Yep. Right? And that while he is so reigning, the temple having been destroyed in 70 AD, but he's reigning. God is gathering from all of the peoples, through the gospel, believers, Jews and Gentiles, male and female, poor, it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, whatever country you're from, whatever situation you're in, however bad your life has been in the past, how many wicked sins you've ever committed, if you turn to Jesus Christ and trust in him alone, the one who died for sins, and was raised on the third day, and bodily ascended to heaven, trust in him, your sins will be forgiven. You'll be part of the church. You'll be built up as as built as a building block on that foundation of Christ, the cornerstone and his apostles and prophets. And you will be part of the eternal kingdom. Jesus Christ is reigning now over the people, and he's governing his universe through providence. Yep. And In God's providence, there are various nations and different things have happened in history. And and dear listeners, you have to use discernment. Whatever happens in history, we have to judge in light of Scripture. So I'm doing that with the Puritans. And I'm saying, no, they tempted God by trying to obligate God to a covenant that he hadn't written. He didn't send his prophet to write it. They didn't have a theophany from God. And they tempted God by saying, well, if we land safely, then you agreed to it. Right. But God, in his love and mercy and providence, intended that they would land safely. But that doesn't prove he agreed to that covenant. That would be like, I said, Jesus jumping off the pinnacle of the temple, which he wouldn't do because he perfectly obeyed the Father. Mm -hmm. So if the angel caught him, that's why you don't do it. You don't want to tempt God. They should have just said, if God wills, we'll land, it will serve him by his grace, according to the terms of the new covenant. But they weren't satisfied with that. They wanted to set up a theocracy. And why were they fleeing to start with? Because some misguided people were trying to rule over a nation in the name of Christ and doing it wrongly and abusively.
0: Right. The answer to a theocracy is not setting up a different theocracy somewhere else.
1: Right. And in so doing, what do you end up with? The very air that Rome created when they thought they were a theocracy. You have wars and you have people. uh, Many things happen. And so you have South America with all the problems they've had in history, well, because of Rome was going to go into place after place and set up their Romish theocracy under the Pope and force everybody to become Christian, whether they believe the gospel or not. Right. Okay, so uh, are we to believe now? Let's go back to the misuse of the verse, 2 Chronicles 7:14. Let me read verses 13 and 14, from now we'll go back to Chronicles, parallel account to 1 one Kings 9. Okay. Verse 13, if I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people and my people who are called by my name, who was that? Israel. Israel. Yep. And the Israel existed because God had unilaterally made Covenants,
0: right? God and was the covenant maker.
1: God made the covenant. Go read Genesis 15. Abraham fell asleep, and uh, in a theophany, God goes between the parts and, the, and the, walked the blood trail. God intended that there'd be Israel, not because they were so great or there were many, but because they were the the least of all people. But that God would bring honor to His own name. Yeah. Okay. And because of this covenant, and because they had prophets, they had a way of knowing that if there's a famine or a pestilence, that it was an actual judgment of God, because they had prophets to tell them that. Right. Right? We don't have that. There's no infallible prophet from God that meets the qualifications of Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18. There is no such person in America. No. Nope. Okay, America's not Israel, and we don't have any prophets, mm-hmm. not valid ones. We've had nice. thousands of false prophets, yeah. but we don't have a valid one who has never been wrong and always has the doctrine of God perfectly right. The prophet that Moses predicted, Deuteronomy 18, the New Testament claims in many places, including John 5 and in Acts, is Moses in an amount of transfiguration. Uh, not Moses, Jesus. Moses pointed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. The greater Moses is Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. So, dear ones, we, the prophets are in the Bible. They're not running around America. Right. Okay, and the Puritans weren't the prophets of God. I don't think this is even difficult. Why can't no. we figure this out? We can't figure it out because we're not even trying.
0: Yep, exactly. It makes
1: us feel pious. And then how exactly is it helping us? So let's just read. Okay, so there's a pestilence or whatever goes wrong. My people call by my name, humble themselves and praise, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Well, Mm -hmm. What's, what we can glean from that that would be applicable that any people that love God want to turn from idolatry, the, the specific thing that comes up here in this context, is a sacrifice to other gods. Right. Okay, so that's what always did them me, and that's what created the split in the kingdoms and the destruction of the northern kingdom. Idolatry Polytheism, so on. Well, America has plenty of that, oh, but America sure. is not yeah. Israel. Now, if somebody is a Christian and they're practicing polytheism and idolatry and serving other gods, like we've talked about, Christians doing yoga, right? Well, they're 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 apostate. They need to repent. But we don't own a land. We don't have a temple. Okay? So what God is dealing with is persons who are disciplined by the Lord and called to repent and serve him. Now, as I preached just yesterday, that doesn't mean that Christians who are faithful to God are never going to have problems.
0: Right. If you're a Christian
1: farmer, that doesn't mean you'll never lose a crop through drought. No. And we sit here and we can't do this. We can't sit here and point our fingers at other Christians and say, well, God's angry and doing all these things because you're not doing it right. And that's why America has all these problems. You can't know that. That's claiming to know the mind of the Lord in a way which we don't know the mind of the Lord. Jesus said uh, about Christians that had suffered. Do you think they're worse sinners than the other people in Galilee? Right. Louisiana has just been hit by two hurricanes. Are we going to say, obviously, Louisiana has way worse sinners than Minnesota?
0: Yeah, we. You know, we can't even know that.
1: We can't know that. And frankly, Minnesota, judging by what's been going on here, has all the sinners anybody could ever want. <laughs> Yeah. Burning down their own city. It's insane yeah. what's going on here. It's, it's, people are afraid to even go downtown and go to Target on Nickel Mall because roving bands of dangerous people are down there and they can't even get business. They got all, it's all boarded up still. Right. Months later. So we got our own sinners. So how do we know that Louisiana has worse sinners because they had two hurricanes hit them?
0: That's just not how we determine these things.
1: Well, I've been preaching this for decades. But why yeah. but I don't why is it so hard to understand?
0: Honestly, I think it's confusing America with Israel.
1: Well, that's where I call that this. I'm glad we're doing this show and you read that stuff from Winthrop. It's yeah, our yeah. what I call our national myth. It is. It's it's a myth that America has a covenant with Israel, with God. Because God establishes his own covenants directly or through infallible prophets. And mostly as directly as with Abraham. God appeared to Noah. God appeared to Abraham. God appeared to Moses. Right on Sinai. Mm -hmm. And uh, God here appeared to Solomon. Yes. And God ultimately appeared as was as we said on the Mount Transfiguration, when God said about the son, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Moses and Elijah disappear. The only one we need to listen to now is Christ, and he has spoken to us once for all through his apostles and prophets. So whoever in history, wherever they are, whether it's the Pope or some bishop somewhere or Joseph Smith, or people that have a little better theology, like the Puritans, they don't have the authority to obligate God to a covenant that He never agreed to.
0: That's right. Yeah, you know, God is the covenant maker; we are only covenant breakers. It's what right. we do. It's why we need Him.
1: That's why we need to repent and turn to Christ.
0: Yeah. Okay. So all right, what, can
1: we learn anything from Second Corinthians seven fourteen? Yes, that is, we should always. Flee from idolatry. Okay. Flee from covetousness. Trust God. Come to Christ on his terms. Acknowledge the authority of Scripture. And ask God for grace to live according to the dictates and commands of the new covenant that we're under. Okay.
0: That's right.
1: All right. We don't have a land. We just live in various Countries all over the world, and we seek God through Christ. We don't have a land. Right. Now, in America, we have freedom to to vote, and I I exercise my freedom. The last time I voted, two years ago, every single person I voted for lost. (laughs) So that tells me I think differently than the average person here in the metropolitan part of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota area. Yeah first ring summer, but I I don't think like they do. I look at the lawn signs. I don't think like anybody around here. No. And the people in, in the state I live in, so many of them, they're the most vocal, called good evil and evil good. They sure do. And I just have to thank God that I can still preach the gospel. I can still call people to repentance. And I can still talk about Christ and teach the details that are laid out for the New covenant that we're under through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: We'll have to wrap it up. There we are, out of time. We would like to remind you that you can access this episode and many others, as well as years' worth of articles, at the website, cicministry.org. We also want to remind you to, as it says in Philippians 1 stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this has been Jessica Kramus and Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. Yeah. So that was our presentation. Does anybody have any comments or questions?
2: Eric, I'd like to ask for your comments on Second Chronicles 6, verse 32. It says, Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. Can that refer to us, or is that uh, the the uh, part of Israel, the Jewish people that have been dispersed?
3: Yeah, a good question. Any Gentile who comes to faith in Yahweh, they're grafted in. And so, um, a good passage parallel to that would be like Isaiah fifty-six, where you um, have the prophet taking an eunuch, or I'm sorry, a eunuch, who is some a male who is castrated. You can't get any more cursed than that, because you can't have offspring. And so, Isaiah's point is, you can be the most cursed person on the planet, a Gentile far off, a eunuch with no hope for children. You can't get any more cursed than that in the eyes of the Hebrew. But yet, if they will come to faith in Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, they're going to be readily accepted. So, absolutely, but at the same time, that doesn't change the covenant stipulations that belong to Israel alone. So, Bob is exactly right. The, the, the worldview that we want to have is that there's one nation where you're going to have promises re- regarding the land, regarding the nature of the kingdom as a political entity, and that's Israel. So when we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we were grafted into the promises as we see, for example, in Romans 11. We were grafted into those promises. Bob has often used the comment that when we become believers in Jesus Christ, our kingdom does not yet have a zip code. Okay, So we are given a reservation for this kingdom that's coming to Israel, but right now our kingdom doesn't have a zip code. It's going to in the millennial kingdom. We're going to reign with him. But right now, so don't mistake that passage that you just read in 2 Chronicles 6, um, and I, I don't think you are, but just don't mistake that to somehow think that God is going to make a new covenant in the sense with some other nation or something uh, different than Israel. No, it's one covenant, and then obviously the new covenant is the ratification really of the Abrahamic covenant. So I think it was good advice too that Bob gave where the timeless principle in 2 Chronicles 7 is the turning from idolatry. So a good application would be for Americans to turn from yoga. Uh, Yoga is designed to get people into contact with the oneness of the universe and really the demonic realm. Well, how can we be people who share the Lord's Supper, which Christ has commanded, and at the same time share communion with demons? Uh, Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 10 through 11. So anyway, um, yeah, absolutely, we can call people from idolatry.
4: Yeah, um, I have argued this thing with rooms full of people, and so I really appreciate what Bob did there, because we do not have a covenant. I mean, we have a, a covenant; it's the new covenant in Christ. We don't have a land covenant, but I think about uh, what, what, I, th- I think about how God deals with nations, and so god does not have to have a covenant with a nation to judge that nation he judged assyria even though assyria did god's will in 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 scattering the 10 northern tribes god judged assyria he told them he would through his prophet and so i think more like of uh, uh, maybe on the other side of it romans 1 when a nation is filled with people that ignore the truth they deny the truth, and God progressively gives those people over more and more until they are ultimately left with a depraved mind. And when you have a nation with full of people with a depraved mind, God has abandoned them. It's the wrath of abandonment. God is judging those people, and that nation will be destroyed ultimately so it's not like there's a covenant that they've broken it's not like a land covenant it's nothing like that but we shouldn't lose the sight sight of the idea that god with any nation when people are totally given over to a depraved mind that nation will be destroyed uh jc ryle i believe was his name he was a bishop in england he he called it i mean long ago and he said you know if england doesn't change this country and this whole is gonna is gonna go down the. I don't know what he how he put it, it was, and, and that's kind of what's happened. England and Ireland and Scotland, they've all really fallen. I mean, so it's not like they had a covenant, but the consequences and the judgment, God will judge them. Not in an eschat not in an eschatological sense, but in a in a sense. And we see that in history. I think so. Would you come? Does that make sense? I mean, that's my opinion anyway.
3: You know, I, I would just, I think you're exactly right. I would just say that I think it is in the eschatological sense that he's going to judge them. So in other words, what we can't know is whether, let's say we, had a, um, we have this pandemic, uh, and it's worldwide, but let's say the pandemic was only in the United States. We can't say that it's because we're worse sinners. So here's the point is one day we're going to have all the nations come against Israel. Well, why do all the nations come against Israel? Because of our depravity. Because of the depravity of man they're going to try to wipe out god's people his his promised elect so i would say the eschatological judgment that comes upon england upon the united states that you and i can say yes this is what the scriptures declare is that one day jesus christ is coming you're going to have the 70th week of daniel you're going to have the last seven years and he's pouring out his wrath on that time period and apart from that anyone who dies apart from christ is going to be sent to hades and then later on the lake of fire so My only point in saying that is I think we have to be careful to say, I've heard John MacArthur talk about Romans 1, and I agree. There's a reprobation. There is a hardness. God hands people over to hardness. But the issue isn't the nation. The issue is Gentiles and Jews who don't come to faith in the Messiah. They're going to be hardened so that they'll never be a partaker in the kingdom. So the issue isn't about national boundaries. It's not about, well, you know what, if America keeps sinning at this rate, our nation is going to fail in the next 12 years. We can't know that. God providentially is in control of that. But what we can say is people who reject Messiah, the moment they breathe their last, they'll go to Hades. And one day God will bring all the nations against Israel and he will destroy them. So I think the battle is primarily eschatological. Yep. Uh,
5: Similar to what Eric was saying, I kind of wanted to bring this to where America is right now. And in... uh, A Lot of what Eric was saying was basically right out of Romans 1 and if we go to uh, Romans 21 for even though they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their Speculations and their foolish heart was dark and professing to be wise they became fools so What I believe that like we're smack dab in the middle of that right now and It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on they'll both try to claim a higher morality than the other guy and it's it's all for naught because a lot of them they're not looking at the true God they're looking at a God that they made or that they want that God to be to them and it's not the uh, the actual God uh, of the Bible that we know and uh, when uh, uh, the, the 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 now you one could say, well, that's God's judgment on man. He's turning them over to a de- de- depraved heart, and then all these other things follow: uh, a lust for uh, men, men, women, women. All these things that are listed uh, in Romans one, and then not only that, but the acceptability. Of, that we have to be approving of that, or we're bad people. So if we try to follow what God tells us, then we turn out to be the Hitlers, the bigots, the people that are shunned, the people that are canceled, and, and so on and so forth. So I believe that, that that's where we're at right now in, in God's history. But uh, this is God's plan. Okay, so we can say that uh, oh, isn't this horrible? Look what's going on. You know, this is uh, 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 really a horrible thing that's happening here in America. But the bright side is, is that uh, uh, God or uh, uh, Bob just preached on the uh, full armor of God, and the, the part of the stand is is what we, I believe need to do. We, we stand firm in uh, God's Word. And so I wanted to say that, and then real quick, the ludicrousy of trying to make a, a covenant with, with God by us initiating the covenant, that would be like we could just come up with anything and say, gee, I, I would like to uh, do X, and in order for God to approve X, I'm gonna take a drive up to Duluth, and if I make it safely, then God approves of everything that I'm gonna be doing. So it's just, it's insane. Um, Psalm chapter one talks about the, the, the blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. This, I love this church because we delight, I, I, we have a delight for his word. And we are being taught the Word of God, the pure Word of God, and we take delight in it. A lot of, And I, I hate to just point fingers at other churches, but a lot of churches are Bible-based. And, you know, we, we, we're delighting in His Word. And we have the most important message the, word, the world needs right now, and that is the gospel. So it's like that, that's where we're at. I mean, some time ago, Eric, you said uh, the, the further away we get from the Word of God, the more pagan we become. That's happened. We're there.
0: Yeah, I, I think in, in some ways, and th- and that's a really good comment, because if we really want our country to be blessed, if if we want to see revival here, it's not going to be on a national level. We're, we are converted as individuals, but the more converted in- individuals there are in a nation, the more the nation is blessed, because we love the law, and we love the Lord, and we seek to honor him and you know if you want to end abortion you know, we can legislate that but reality is Christians aren't going to aren't going to kill their children if we really if we can change hearts that's how we really change the actions of a nation yes laws matter but the best thing we can do is preach the gospel preach it boldly preach it often preach it ceaselessly and let the lord change Hearts, And as he changes hearts, he changes the, co- the community as, the, as a whole will be influenced by that. And so even in saying America doesn't have a covenant with God, which we don't, doesn't mean that having a biblical foundation or a foundation based largely on biblical principles wasn't a providential blessing. It was. And we can thank God for that. So does anyone else have a comment?
3: Well, just, yeah, just real briefly. The original sin, Pastor Dalma pointed this out in last week's sermon. Babel, the whole purpose of Babel is wanting to participate with God. That was the original sin in the Garden of Eden. Eve, when she saw that the fruit was good for wisdom, she wanted to participate with God. And I think forcing a covenant on God is wanting to participate with God. If you do that, it's just not a good idea to to force participation with God. It never ends well.
0: Well, and then the covenant becomes our terms, not his, which is just shocking. So all right, Pastor Eric, can you can somebody pass the mic to him? Do you just want to close us with prayer, or if you have any closing comments, add that too. Thank you.
3: Yeah, amen. yeah, we'll close with prayer. Um, just one issue with uh, Romans one. I just want to hit that again. Romans one is the default position of every human being. it It knows no geographical boundaries. If you're born into this world, Romans 1 is true for you. You knew something of God through the natural creation, but you'd rather have the creation rather than the creator who is forever praised. And so I just want us to think about that, that the only way out of the Romans 1 reprobation is regeneration by the Spirit. No one can say that Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Spirit, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. That's the only way out. So, with the Romans 1, let's just be careful. Let's not apply that just to say, well, America must be in Romans 1. Every person's in Romans 1 until conversion. That's the paradigm. That's what we have to have in our minds. And Jessica's right. The reason why we were blessed as a nation is we had so many people who were regenerated by the Spirit, who came to faith in Christ, that there was a biblical ethos that permeated the land. That's being rejected. So one other point, not all false religions are equal. Some false religions are more deadly than others. Marxism is one of the greatest false religions of all time and it it does kill because the government becomes God and when you have a false religion that takes the government the government has the sword so the Jehovah Witnesses aren't going to take the government I don't think I don't think the Mormons are going to but the Marxist will and so not all false religions are equally damaging that's one of the points I would make too but let's close in prayer Heavenly Father we thank you Lord For the clear teaching that Bob gave us, Lord, that you have one nation that you've called to be your own, and that's Israel. And that all the other nations belong to the host of heaven. We do thank you, Lord, that one day you're going to bring your kingdom as you send your son to Israel. You will establish all the promises that you've made and that all who come to faith in Jesus Christ will be partakers of that glorious kingdom, no matter where they come from, that you will readily accept them and give them salvation, salvation, forgiveness of sins and the promise of everlasting life. We thank you for the promise that we have in Christ in Jesus name. Amen.